Hello. Hello. So lovely to see you again. It's been Likewise. a while. Yeah, yeah. It feels like, uh, I don't know, at least 10 minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> I just did an unboxing video, so I've got I've got some fun goodies. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I got my first set of stickers. I can start sending them out as thank you gifts. Nice. And um, when I do the uh, giveaway Wednesdays, part of the prize pack. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, I'm having fun. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I don't know. I told you this. The first one I did, where um, only Fred and some other guy, you know, chimed in. So it was the other guy won, and I was like, "So hey, you know, congratulations, you won the thing. Where would you like me to send it?" And he goes, "Okay, well, here's my address in Germany." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, <laughs> maybe I should have put like U.S. residents only." <laughs> But, you know, it's a pack of cards. How expensive could it be to send a pack of cards to Germany? I say that. I was going to say, have you have you tried yet? I don't know. I, I, not. <laughs> I should probably be careful. <laughs> We've got a fan in Germany. So, hey, there yeah. you go. That's the cool part. Yeah, Reaching that's the People cool all part. over the world. So we're having fun. And a new, uh, a new pack of cards to integrate into the Trading Card Tuesdays. And another comic book. Fred, Fred sent me a comic book. And yeah. That's good, man. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. That's awesome, man. Let's take it off. I yeah, like little steps at a time. Here we go. <laughs> That's all that matters. I watch like little marketing and videos. Consistency beats frequency every single time. It was saying that like pick what your schedule is and stick to that. And no matter what you think, like over time, that's going to be the thing. You don't have to overdo yourself. You know, just try to pick something that works for you and stay with it. If I can release an audio something every Monday, whether it's an episode or we do a short bonus thing like the poetry that Kat read. Tuesday morning, we do, it's title card Tuesday. I'll grab the title card from uh, Memory Alpha and just throw it up there with the links of like, hey, here's the title card from the episode we're doing. And here's the links for the you know corresponding episode of the podcast. I was going to do the giveaway Wednesdays every Wednesday, but then I'm going to run out of stuff to give away. So I may make it like the first Wednesday of the month. And which of course I'll announce the winner, like on the next trading card Tuesday, I'm going to start doing the trading card Tuesdays live. So title card. Yeah. Title card Tuesdays is at 10 AM. And then the trading card Tuesday is 10 PM. Gotcha. Hopefully that's easy enough for everybody to remember and just content. And if I find like behind the scenes photos or something like that, you know, I'll throw them up on like a Thursday or Friday. That's the schedule for now until, you know, I've come up with more things. I'm going to start doing as I edit these episodes is when I'm going to integrate the Star Trek news and I'm going to have fun with it too. I'm actually going to do it like 1940s style. So I'm just going to read headlines, but in that 1940s voice and say like some, you know, goofy phrase at the end of each little news segment and then and now here's your show you know (laughs) (laughs) i feel like if it's fun to me that's going to come across and it's going to be fun for other people so i just want to make it as fun as possible got to be authentic something we all struggle with but that's the way to do it absolutely so you got your notes ready to go i'm ready i'm ready cool let's get into it Mm -hmm. oh yeah incoming transmission today's rule of acquisition the best deal is the one that brings the most profit these are the voyages of the starship enterprise 
So this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beat me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Now, here's a guy who knows a good deal when he sees one. It's Mr. Gary Horn! Yay! Gary Horn! Uh, I actually just slept in the shuttle pod, so <laughs> you know, I was just here the whole time, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh thanks for coming back man i appreciate it i mean it's always good to see you it's good to be back (laughs) this episode has a very different vibe did you enjoy this one as much as i did (laughs) yeah i mean it wasn't um as as well i was gonna say it wasn't dark although i have something to that but yeah this one was more fun than the last one but yeah, I enjoyed it. I like the Ferengi. A lot of people, I think, have issues with them, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just making that up. But I always see people complain about them. And, I, and there were complaints about this one, about Ooh. First Contact. But yeah, I enjoyed it overall, to answer your question. Yeah, we're here at episode 19, and I feel like this is the first episode that is strictly for comedic relief. I feel like we've gotten some adventure. We've gotten some serious topics, some dark things even a couple of horror movie-esque episodes. And now it's kind of like, all right, here's your situation comedy. (laughs) Yeah, I will say though, this is a personality defect on my part, but when Trip is waking up everyone and he wakes up to Paul and she's waking up from being drugged and she sees him in his underwear, she gives him the look and he's like, oh, you think a guy in his underwear, you just like your mind immediately goes to one thing. And I'm like, (laughs) this all implies the existence in the future of not only future date rape, but also Vulcans have date rape. And (laughs) (laughs) so, not to make this podcast too dark, I'm just saying, like if that was like where their mind immediately jumps to, you get the impression that the future hasn't changed enough that that's not a thing that happens we covered the topic of date rate two episodes ago episode 17 of the show and episode 15 of the podcast with ren sims talking about the episode titled fusion and oh i haven't heard that one yet oh yeah it's uh yeah and if you haven't watched that episode it's you know we get into the whole thing of like star trek seems to have this tradition of it of having at least one episode covering date rape and how they approach it and do they do a good job of creating a safe place to have that discussion i think is where we ended up falling at the end it's an interesting approach in that you know we've always said science fiction is commentary on who we are as a people where we've come from and ultimately where we're headed and all the implications of that but If you want to listen to that, please go listen to that episode of the podcast. Uh, We had a good time. It was a good discussion. But today we are going to get into this episode with the Ferengi and this very interesting and comical first contact. So without further ado, let's get into this week's recap. 
Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Of all the species Enterprise has come across, who the hell are you? Nothing could prepare them for this. Stroke my lungs. An all new Enterprise. <laughs> Do you understand me? I can't lock onto its language. I fell asleep. You fell asleep? The Enterprise crew looks like angels when they're sleeping. I'll whisper the rest of this recap so I don't wake them up. Some alien cruiser docks with Enterprise. Two Ferengi bore wearing masks, but not practicing social distancing. They deactivate a device the Starfleet crew brought up from the surface of a nearby moon. Meanwhile, Trip is still conscious and makes his way to engineering and uses the ship's sensors to monitor the aliens as they plunder the ship. They wake up Archer and demand to know where he keeps the good stuff. Archer tells the Ferengi he's good with like Evan Williams and Benchmark, but they're not buying it. They leave to search the ship and let Jeffrey Combs babysit Archer. Trip wakes up to Paul. She figures the whole thing out. Meanwhile, in sickbay, three of the four Ferengi search for the non-existent vault. Then T'Pol distracts them and gets them to start arguing between each other, like a less annoying Kevin McAllister. Meanwhile, in engineering, Archer offers up to Paul to try to get Jeffrey Combs to let him go, but he's content to creep on her instead. This magic moment. <laughs> so Little pervert. Archer, T'Pol, and Trip are finally able to overcome Larry, Moe, Curly, and Jeffrey Combs. Archer's like, hey, we better not see you again for like 208 episodes, seven shorts, six movies, and half a dozen comic book series. And so on. So, yeah, this one is very interesting, like I said, in that it's very comedic. Uh, but you mentioned that some people were really upset about the Ferengi and some other things. I could easily see... You know how like people got really upset about the Trade Federation in episode one saying that the Trade Federation seemed to be a racist parody of Asians, I think, as, as you know, that they were doing like the stereotypical racist Asian voice. Do you think they're doing a similar thing here with the Ferengi or am I misreading that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't really thinking of that part. They seem like just weird, creepy pirates. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that weird about the Ferengi. I mean, as far as like uh, racial overtones or anything like that, I just think what people had an issue with is actually that they run into the Ferengi here. And technically, first contact in Star Trek happens in an episode of Next Generation, like Picard makes first contact with the Ferengi. And in the episode, and I cannot remember the episode, so kill me later, Star Trek fans. Um, <laughs> but he says he met the Ferengi once before in some kind of battle and he never saw them but so in the episode of next gen he's going to actually meet with the ferengi in this like considered first contact so they're like well now you used the ferengi in enterprise but their argument was that actually there's an episode of deep space nine where quark and nog and those guys crash land in 1949 at area 51 that was technically even first contact so they were like yeah nobody right talks about it so technically officially picard made first contact but they thought that they had enough uh looseness to play with here with the ferengi a little bit yeah i feel like because picard is so entrenched with 
the Federation acting as a diplomat for Starfleet for so many first contacts, I feel like this sort of puts the light on the NXO one crew as kind of, okay, yeah, it is technically the first contact with this new race, uh, this new species new to us. Anyway, it's more of an encounter really. You're just kind of ships in the night, especially with something like this, where there's not really an exchange of pleasantries and information and goodwill. It's kind of, we're in this situation of, Hey, you're taking our ship apart. (laughs) Please don't do that. And, you know, just trying to stop whatever negative thing is going on. So it's not necessarily a first contact. Nobody's shaking hands outside the bar and then going in and, uh, you know, taking some sips of tequila in in, uh, Montana or anything like that. It's, we're literally just trying to survive this encounter. So I think there needs to be a specific definition of what first contact is, what it truly is and what that means versus our first time encountering this species like Picard does in the episode, the last outpost, when we actually as fans first see the Ferengi, it's kind of weird because here they're presented as pirates in the, uh, the episode, the last outpost. I feel like they're presented almost like a smaller, more warrior, like not exactly like Klingons, but kind of ninja, like ferocious little ninja. And then it's not until we get into Deep Space Nine that, you know, we see Quark and the Ferengi as a whole as sort of more sophisticated in the area of business. And especially with things like the rules of acquisition, where we see them as this financially savvy, taking over the galaxy one bar of latinum at a time type species. Is that the vibe you get? Yeah, that's 100% it. I will say that the only part that, yeah, like you, you brought up that how they're presented at first there's a point where like data and uh, the, the, pe- the thing people didn't complain about with continuity is that like, data and Worf both struggle with the Frangi when they're fighting at one point. And uh, yeah, like data's like they're stronger than they appear. And like Worf's like kind of going at it with them and he's superior strength. And yeah, um, both of them should be stronger. You would think because trip knocks the hell out of one, like mm-hmm. one punch not takes one down. <laughs> So I saw that and I was like, I think they're tougher than that. I don't think Trip could knock them out with one punch, but all right, sure. Maybe it was a sucker punch. Yeah. Now you've got the, you've got Data, the Android and Worf a Klingon, but neither one of those gentlemen are country strong like Trip. <laughs> that is a fair point. There's something to be said for that. Uh, the, uh, I did find a quote with uh, Brandon Braga for the thing where somebody asked him in an interview about the Frangie showing up here. And he says, uh, The quote says, we're very aware of that, and we try very hard. We've made a few mistakes, but nothing major. I read all these things on the internet, these continuity pornographers, as I like to call them. (laughs) He says, I didn't invent that term, but these people honestly think that Rick and I are morons. Of course we knew that the Ferengi didn't make first contact with Archer. They made it with Picard. The only people who see the Ferengi are Trip, T'Pol, and Archer, and they never find out who they were. They were these weird looking guys and they never see them again. So you can have fun with continuity. I've taken issue with, uh, I'm a big comic book fan as well. And when I see things get translated from comic book page to film, be it live action or animated, and them adhering to what is written, they adhere to it so much that if you've hired actors, 
at best you're getting line reads you're not really getting a performance there's nothing you're not bringing anything new you're not making this interesting for a new audience and i think and i'll go ahead and be specific here frank miller's dark knight returns arguably his seminal work on the character when they translated that into the animated epic film they didn't really let the performers perform People forget Dark Knight Returns came out in the mid 80s. A lot of that stuff doesn't really translate to today. You know, he goes on Dave Endocrine, which was a clear shout out to David Letterman. That doesn't really apply, but they had the character voiced by Conan O'Brien. Why not just make it he's on the Conan O'Brien show? Let it be that easy. At the time that those films were coming out in the film, they're having a problem with the fictional country of Corto Maltese. Well, at the time that that stuff was happening in the world, there were some issues going on between the U.S., Russia, and Ukraine. Just call it the Ukraine like, and make it applicable to what's happening. The president, and this is the last example here, but the president in that film is clearly based off of Ronald Reagan who comes across as this weird country hillbilly kind of guy. Well, why not just make the character based on George W make it more applicable. That doesn't change the plot at all. It just updates a couple things to make it more relevant for a new audience. But you know, when you've got stuff like with star Trek, where people are so entrenched in the story that's been set is gospel. So they adhere to that and that doesn't leave any room for new stories. So you're having to get really creative with, well, they don't actually find out who they are. And that's great for the writers because it makes sense in their writer brain of like, hey, we're painted into a corner on this one particular subject matter. I just found a scaffolding and we've traversed and then we're successful. But the fans are like, no, 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 no. So I don't know. How do you feel about this, man? I'm on the same page as you actually. As you were saying that, it, I was thinking that through and it, I'm, I'm 100% the same way. I think continuity is important in that it's good for world building and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, you can't be too beholden to it. For me, I want people to respect the continuity, to appreciate that it is there. So you're not just like walking over it. You obviously don't want people working on Star Trek that don't like Star Trek. You right. don't want, you know, you don't want people that don't care anything about the story or the world that they've built in this universe. But yeah, I'm with you that if you're too beholden to the whole thing, then you can paint yourself in a corner, especially with characters. It's like, sure, Quark acts a certain way, but that doesn't mean every Ferengi is that way. We're all different people, you know? Like, yeah. it's like not everybody's going to handle everything the same. Frank, you have to assume Ferengi would have different personality types. And Oh, yeah. If you put Quark next to one of the Ferengi from the next-gen episode of Last Outpost, next to one of the Ferengi in this episode, they are worlds apart. And I think maybe we're diving in and finding narratives that weren't intentional here, but I feel like that's kind of a way to get the audience to say, Hey, look, just because you've encountered this one particular person in one way, doesn't mean that all of those people act the exact same way. You know, uh, for example, real world, uh, I know there's a movement of, they refer to themselves as Christians but they are the type that protest military funerals and do marches against things that are unnecessary. And then 
So they paint Christians as that type. But there's another sect of Christians that say, hey, we don't all do that. <laughs> right. And I mean, that's applicable to so many things. You know, you could say, well, you know, artists are all weirdos. Well, not necessarily. Or uh, government officials are all bad. Not necessarily. You can fit almost any type of person in there. But maybe this is a way to get people to see like, hey, the Ferengi, you know, or businessmen, ninjas, pirates, they can be anything. I think it's a good way to look at people in your own life and you're in your own world, you know, makes you take a step back and sort of think trying to separate out these prejudices to see like, okay, I had a bad interaction with this one particular person. That doesn't necessarily mean all of those individuals are all like that makes you approach things with fresh eyes every time. Yeah. I think that if you, even if you just in Star Trek terms, like uh, any race that encounters Starfleet, if they encountered data, that would be a very different exchange than if they had encountered Kirk, you yeah. know, like, oh, yeah. Would, yeah. you know, that would be a different <laughs> thing. And if, even if you were sticking with humans, Kirk, Picard, Cisco, Janeway, Pike, while they may have like certain things that we can easily connect them all to like a brand new race who's never met these people, humans, Starfleet or otherwise, they would probably come across as like different interactions. I imagine you would oh, yeah. have between every single one of them. That should be expected with, with any race Klingon Ferengi or otherwise. I feel like we're getting into some a deeper territory again. <laughs> the discussions you and I have Gary about Star Trek tend to lean towards the deep, but I'm sorry. No, 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 don't apologize. It's just, it's unexpected and pleasant and it's great. But I think one of the things that we're ignoring with this episode is the comedic value. We mentioned it a little bit. And I think a large part of that is due to the casting of these Ferengi. And we're getting into that a little bit. We usually save the casting discussion for the stats portion of the show, but you can't talk about this episode and not talk about some really great comedic performances from Jeffrey Combs, of course, Star Trek alum, Ethan Phillips, big Star Trek alum, and Clint Howard. Yeah, these guys are all awesome actors, awesome character actors, like just really, really cool seeing them here. And well, I mean, we've already even seen Jeffrey Combs as an Andorian earlier Uh in the series, but uh, (laughs) but they just were like, I mean, I guess that's a testament to him. They're like, well, we'll bring you back and put you in some different makeup and you can be a totally different person. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Whoever's call it was to call Jeffrey Combs and just say, hey, Star Trek wants you for everything. Yeah, It's exactly. <laughs> a great call because he's, he's really awesome. And to be honest, if you're his performances are always so good that if you're not paying attention, you might not recognize that it's him. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm not 100% sure like, I necessarily would have in this one. That's a good point. And Clint Howard's perfect. I mean, you know, God bless the guy. I love him. If you're listening, Clint, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but he's already close to looking like a Ferengi anyway. (laughs) He does have some Ferengi type qualities. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's cool to see Ethan Phillips get work, you know, because we know Neelix will run into later on down the road. So yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? We've started talking about the, uh, the guest stars. I do have one more thing I want to discuss. I wanted to get away from the serious stuff before we came back to it, but super creepy vibes against uh, T'Pol here again. Like, how many times is T'Pol going to get assaulted? I was thinking earlier on, I was like, this is going to be a lighter episode, so keep it cool, Gary. But 
to be vulgar for a second, I mean, we're, we're talking about this umox mm. thing that they do where you rub the ears uh-huh. and uh, it feels like everybody's like wanting to sexually assault to Paul. And I get she's, she's hot, but uh, it's weird. And the Ferengi thing of doing this, <laughs> like where they get people to do it. I mean, this goes into a larger s- subject that for some reason I was overall thinking about just objective morality in general in the idea that, your genitals aren't all kept in the same place if you're different species. Umox is essentially a handy for for Iggy, it seems like. So this guy's like making her, you know, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you see what I'm saying? I think even in the Little Green Men episode of Deep Space Nine, where the close encounter happens, like, I forget. It's not Quark, but it's the other one. Not Nog, but... Uh... Maybe, no, it's not Nog, because, yeah, he's the other one, but the other one, yeah, he, he like oh, tricks the name. doctor into giving him Umox. And I remember that yeah. being like, this is sick. was <laughs> 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 like, he's Ferengi. They are dirty boys. Yeah. Star Trek is known for having like really smart, strong, capable women who are more often than not quite attractive. Right. But it's, I feel like to Paul's, you know, pretty sharp. But I mean, this is the second time and we're still in the first season like that she's kind of getting this kind of treatment most of the uh writing staff and showrunners are all dudes not just dudes but star trek dudes uh yeah <laughs> yeah you know come on we were not the cool kids all the time so <laughs> it was uh so you know you got to keep that stuff in check you know like if uh, unchecked you become like the the incel type person and right uh, but i'm not saying that the star trek writers are doing that. I mean, I, I just think it's from a different time. Like, so as society becomes more aware of these sorts of things and we evolve as people, things like these start to stand out where you're just like, oh, come on, guys. Like, yeah, we got to yeah. do sex slave <laughs> like, to ugh. Paul now. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't watch her to lay outfit. Up oh, here I go. See, I'm sliding <laughs> into it. I'm just saying it's a slippery and, slope. Just be aware. <laughs> Well, let's get into some of the stats here. Uh, story, again, was done by Berman and Braga. The last one that they did was the very last episode we talked about, Rogue Planet. Ah, ah, he said it! He said it! With a teleplay written by Maria and Andre Jacumentin. Their last episode was uh, one you and I discussed, Gary. Uh, season 1, episode 13, Dear Doctor. And this episode was directed by Mr. James Whitmore Jr. He's actually been involved in the entertainment industry for a long time first as an actor and then as a director uh, some of his acting credits include the original Battlestar Galactica Airwolf Highway to Heaven Twilight Zone and then once you get into his directing credits he's done eight episodes of 21 Jump Street he did an episode of Ferris Bueller's Day Off did you ever see the Ferris Bueller's Day Off series I mean clearly it didn't last very long yeah I definitely did not no <laughs> he also did 15 episodes of quantum leap quantum leap seems to be a reoccurring feature on many of the resumes of the guest stars here uh and people involved with the show archer and, pulling favors i know exactly and then uh he also uh mr whitmore also did four episodes of the Witchblade series uh oh, before his uh before his turn at enterprise did you ever watch the Witchblade series or read any of the Witchblade comic books I have a trade paperback of Witchblade, and I've never read it. Is it is it good? Would you recommend that? No, uh, knowing it, me and knowing what I like, <laughs> do you think I would enjoy it? 
I mean, I feel like this will this could potentially go down a whole other rabbit hole too. But then, yes, now, no, not necessarily. Like it, <laughs> it definitely falls into that like '90s comic thing when like Image broke out. Oh, sure, it was one. That, of, it was one of the earlier properties with Image Comics. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it wasn't uh, the most well written. Now, like uh, I found a deal the other day where I bought like the entire run of Spawn, like everything that's been on there. And I've been slowly trying to work my way through it because I remember Spawn was like the hottest thing, you know, it was so oh, cool, yeah. but it's kind of bad. Like it's, <laughs> it's, It doesn't it's, hold up as well as some other things. Do. Yeah, it's just the storytelling in it for me, like the art's still, you know, great, but it's oh, just sure. like, like the story itself is just kind of all over the place and weird. And I don't know, I'm just not, the 90s had some comics where like, I don't think that was first priority. As I recall, the story of Image Comics was a lot of the artists jumping ship from the bigger companies and starting their own thing. And right. that's great. You should probably take a writer or two with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe so. I'm not saying that they didn't have skills as writers. I'm saying there are very, very few successful writer illustrators in terms of modern it's just how it is it, it's that's a, saying it's nothing a, for the fact that like you get editors involved and uh yeah you know like there being a team that actually kind of helps guide the project for sure i mean and and don't get me wrong i'm not trying to discount any of those skills all of those skills are very difficult and we've already mentioned uh the guest stars here jeffrey combs of course is creme ethan phillips who uh, of course is neelix on voyager here plays the character of Ulyss, and then clint howard as muck if you heard the name but it was still drawing a blank he's the brother of famous director ron howard ronnie howard from the andy griffith show uh if you need more help he was the mayor's right-hand man in Jim Carrey's The Grinch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that? him. <laughs> uh, and he's a character actor who's been working in everything uh, for the last forever. Uh, but then there was one we didn't mention, which was Mr. Matt Malloy. And I was unfamiliar with him, and I ended up pulling him up. And he has a very short resume but he's got some decent things on it like armageddon in 98 changing lanes in 02 stepford wives in 04 choke in 08 and he even did the arthur remake uh, with russell brand in 2011 so maybe he's it's a very eclectic resume you typically find some patterns when you're looking at people's resumes. It's either a lot of courtroom dramas or a lot of period pieces or a lot of horror or a lot of sci-fi, but this guy seems to be all over the map. He's done much else with Star Trek. So he's a fascinating guy. I couldn't find a lot about him, but I think he deserves some investigating into his career and his work. There must've been a reason why he got the enviable position of hanging out with Clint Howard, Ethan Phillips, and Jeffrey Combs on the set of Star Trek. So he's clearly friends with somebody. Right. <laughs> Anything else stick out about this episode to you, Gary? It's just interesting to me, just the idea of just a larger, I guess as a larger whole, just in Star Trek, it just one thing I want them to tackle at some point is just, especially here, run it up against the idea of like, this is how the Ferengi operate and this is how humans operate. And mm. it's two times in a row that they've had the issue of Archer gives the morality judgment of our species used to be that way. And it almost destroyed the entire planet or something. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then in the last episode that we talked about, you know, there was the, 
hunting went out of style a hundred years ago on my planet, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And it's like, okay, well, I get it. We're hoping for a better future and all of those things. And I'm sure that's all the writers are thinking about, but it's always funny to me just to think about how snotty that could probably be too. Like if the human rolls up and you've like lived your generations, like doing this whole thing. We this used is to like do you that, but we're above it now. Bye. Yeah. And so it makes you, I'm not trying to go off the deep end here, but it's just like, what is morality? What is objective morality? This species went this way and this species went this way. And like, why is human so much better? And, you know, it's just interesting to think about that we're approaching all these things and it's, it's easy for us to see it from our perspective. It's weird for you to pretend like, well, we are so much more evolved to you. We are better but they're the ones with the freaking fleets of spaceships. And you know, like right. they've obviously evolved at some point too. What made the changes in the way that they got there? And you're kind of assuming you would know better even for their species. And yeah. And for all of Archer's posturing about being, you know, so much better and so much advanced, you're clearly still bringing unknown tech onto your ship, not keeping it in quarantine and putting your entire crew to sleep. You're not that advanced you're not that so enlightened (laughs) right it's weird to think about sometimes and again that's you know deeper thinking than you have to get into but it's just thinking about like if you run into an alien species like who knows how they'll really act you don't know what their moral opinion would be on certain things or like where they're at you know like what guides that for some people i mean even in our old world morality is subjective sometimes depending on like what country you're in oh yeah Uh, to think about another planet of people that just you know they grew up doing a whole different thing for 50 generations they've been doing it this way for you to come in and be like we don't do (laughs) it's weird to think and i'm sure you probably deal with a little bit of this in your in your nine to five i know i do uh working at a law firm talking about morality versus the culture that's been set up that you're living in you know you look at Things like consumption of alcohol laws, you know, here in America, it's 21, not 20, not 22, 21 for some reason, but you can go and kill people in our military at the age of 18 and you can take part in a lottery at 16. You can do porn at 18, but you can't have any alcohol until you're 21. You're not responsible enough for alcohol. Yeah. Not responsible enough for alcohol. (laughs) Responsible enough to take enough to take enough dicks uh, to fill every orifice and then murder <laughs> all of those people for your country, but you can't have a beer. But that's how our system is set up here in this country. Not to mention how many other different practices in all the other countries. So it's so weird to think about your personal morality with your culture, and that we haven't even included religion. Well, and, and religion probably falls into like how some of these systems get set up, you know, like it's yeah. it's probably like that's why certain things are like, why do we feel guilty about this or that, that you know, and I'm not saying like, you know, go out and kill everybody. I'm just saying it's just weird to think about what determines. <laughs> and yeah, you're right, man. We do get into deep conversation, but it's, it's weird <laughs> to determine like what makes something right or wrong. What makes, you know, and if you look at the Ferengi, for instance, They have ships. They've got advanced technology. They're warp capable. They're out there floating around the galaxy. They're doing okay. And they did it off this rules of acquisition thing. So who are you to tell them that that was the wrong way? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, we look at it now as like, oh, that's pretty selfish. 
but to them, that's their way of life. That's yeah. what they do. Including their treatment of women here in this episode. Definitely what we see later on in uh, deep space nine of how the Ferengi limit the women on business practices and how they basically keep them as slaves without clothing. And it's weird to us to think about, but you know, we think about some cultures that are here on earth present day. And it's kind of like, Oh man, it's so bizarre, but it's kind of like that thing, but it's, Oh, it's okay. And normal for them. And they seem to be all right. You know, and the Ferengi are prospering. So here again, like you just said, like, who's to say that, that, that for them isn't working. Like it's based on your own personal prejudices and practices and government policies and religions and all that stuff. It's a lot to process. And, you know, space exploration and diplomacy is not just <laughs> putting on a jumpsuit and hopping into a ship and going and having fun. There's a lot to consider. And if we as humans on this planet hope to get there someday, we have to at bare minimum put a lot of our preconceived notions aside not among, even- amongst each other, let alone once we get out there. Lucky for you people listening, uh, we here <laughs> on the Computer Resume podcast are going to solve all these problems for you <laughs> right now as Todd and I work out the details and <laughs> we'll create the articles of only, the Federation. Only slightly drunk at 11 a.m. <laughs> right. We'll create the articles of the Federation here. And we'll have them all planned out. NASA, take a step back. You know, world governments, you're not needed anymore. Exactly. Um, we are basing most of our stuff on the works of Roddenberry and Fontana. We're going to have this done by the later this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's crazy to think about. But even, you know, another one that even hit me during this particular episode was just the idea of like, these guys just raided your shit. They snuck on board. They tried to rob you. They weaseled their way out of it by being like, we'll just let this one take the other guys and get out of here but it's just like do you have a plan in place by the way for this like do you take alien species hostage do you arrest them you know put them in the brig like what do you yeah do you have a plan humans well see (laughs) we got we got it a a little bit into that discussion on the episode titled fusion that we had with uh ren sims where long story short uh, you're stepping on my toes ren No, it's just these reoccurring things keep coming back. And I figure, you know, repetition aids learning. So maybe we are supposed to learn something here in that a character assaulted to Paul seemingly without consequence. So, you know, and we were examining it. It was like, well, Archer and the NXO1 crew are scientists and explorers. They're not military. They're not cops. There is no Federation yet. So it's not like they can just arrest him and he's Vulcan. So diplomatic relations between humans and Vulcans are strained at best at this point. So what do you do? Do you open fire and risk cutting off your diplomatic relations with the only species who's even somewhat friendly to you? There's not an easy, good answer here. (laughs) Right. It's complex. You know, when Roddenberry was writing the OG Star Trek, it was probably just like, I just want space explorers. Yeah. And they're just going out there, you know? And We've uh, forgotten about war and strife and hunger and, <laughs> you know, religious things. And, you know, let's just go have fun with some aliens. Stuff can't just be easy. Yeah. yeah. Especially but not I for mean, us. They, did, they dealt with some of that stuff in the 60s. And, that, you know, that's one thing I always uh, champion about the original series for anyone who thinks like, oh, it's so cheesy. You know, okay, I'll give you that. But, like, look at the writing. There's some really solid writing in there, you know, just discussing things of the day. 
you know, 1960s were 50, 60 years removed from that. But you know what? Again, sci-fi, it's always been a commentary on us as a people we've been, where we are, where we're going. So, you know, it looked You make at it, it a, a good point. I did not mean to write off Gene Roddenberry. I think he was <laughs> well beyond his time, like as far as his brain working and stuff like sure. that and, and using sci-fi as a vehicle for moral issues and complex discussions and, and that sort of thing. Even if he disguised it's, it at a 50 sci-fi show, it was... And as difficult as it is, science fiction seems to be the easiest way to have those discussions. You know, they always say never discuss religion and politics. I think the end of that statement needs to be unless there's a spaceship and aliens involved, because then you can have that discussion all day long if you want, because you can present it. Yeah, maybe with a singular vision from a writer, director, whoever, but you're at least presenting one side in a in a way that's easily digestible for all parties seems like yeah 100% agree I actually have a theory for another day another show just even about horror movies being a good vehicle for like discussing like mental health issues and like just different you know that they've got they uh, they also you know these sci-fi and horror are very good at like having ways to tackle like more complex issues by disguising it as something else you know putting like some weirder picture on it you know like it's uh i don't know it's it is interesting and you know i i don't know how much these guys were thinking about this stuff we've even dug into here on this episode with the episode about that was fun and comedic and yeah. had and, 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 and but i i ruined that every time i show up on this show and so you don't you ruin know, anything gary funny. but you know it's like die hard on the nx01 and uh but it's yeah. uh there, I, I saw all that too. I'm just saying, for some reason, when I watched this episode, my mind was doing some other stuff too. And, so, <laughs> and not weed. I'm not saying I was like smoking out. Just like, bro, what if? <laughs> Wait a minute. What if where they are is the planet and everything around them is the ship? Oh, that's, oh. yeah. Dude. Pat, puff and pass, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Gary, thank you so much for coming on uh, again very early on Saturday morning. But tell folks what you got going on outside of this episode of my silly little Star Trek show. What if Archer and all of that crew are really just on a hollow deck the and they're trading? And part of the trading is to like start like level one trading is to get on the OG ships, like the old, you get used to the old equipment and then you slowly like level up. It's one of these crewmen in the back. That's actually doing this very elongated training scenario. Where they, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they have to live in a holodeck for four years. <laughs> oh man. You want to F up everybody. That's how you do it. Just like, oh. have, have Archer show up on enterprise. <laughs> it's just like, anyway oh, man. all right well uh yeah i do the nwa show uh and uh so wrestling uh if you if you want to know uh, one thing that you might be interested in i will say that i should have said last time is that we do do a history of pro wrestling series right now on that show and we're doing a brief overview of like how wrestling got from the beginning to now and then we'll go into deep dives about the fun characters of wrestling and stuff like that. So uh, it's not all like current event stuff. And if you don't watch wrestling, you won't get it. That history of wrestling podcast is supposed to be for everybody fans of the business, but also people that just don't know anything about pro wrestling and want to learn. And so 
my boys that jump on there will, and especially Doc Stenson, who is just well-versed in the history of professional wrestling. We take a walk through and educate you on from there to here, how we got there, who the main characters were and that sort of thing. So you can at least have a conversation with someone about pro wrestling and understand what it's supposed to all be about. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, it's been a long road getting from there to here. Oh yeah. I mean, back into the end of the 1800s, one might say, you know, like, I mean, technically even back before then there were like variations of this very thing. And so we've walked through it. We walked through from the discussion of even the Bible with the wrestling with an angel, you know, yeah. and, and stuff like oh. that. So Anyway, that's awesome. That's so awesome. And I'll, I'll even take it as a step further. You've heard me wax poetic about wrestling before, but you mentioned people who are interested in that business. I'll say people who are interested in that art form, I consider it an art form all in itself. Yeah. And it's one that uh, I, I'm with you. And it's one that despite how much the world has changed, there are like certain aspects of it that are still in place. Just the way you conduct yourself, the things that you do from even, you know, from back in the early 1900s, you know, that these things are still part of the business. And uh, it's, it's an interesting world, pro wrestling. So if you're, if you want to check that stuff out, we're at TIPW show and it's, this is pro wrestling on all podcasts and on YouTube everywhere. Awesome. And where can people reach out to you personally? I am at, this is Gary Horde, Horde with an E. The E is silent until midnight. That's my dad. Uh, <laughs> or until T'Pol shows up. Hey, oh, now <laughs> see you're jumping ship from Hoshi to T'Pol. Well, I'm just saying based on the continuity of the show, it would be T'Pol. <laughs> I am a personal fan of Hoshi. I just think she's cute. I, I like Hoshi. She, I, we didn't get much Hoshi love this time. She was asleep most of the Ferengi episode. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she wasn't a big fan of the planet, so she didn't get much screen time uh, on the hunting <laughs> episode. So... I hope for my future appearances to feature more Hoshi. Nice, nice. I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 Ford. to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcast at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. Our outro music was provided with permission by Drone Node. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And I'm Kat Davis at that.darn.cat with a K on Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?